The Truth News Network. Former FCC Chairman Newton Minow called the media a vast wasteland. Well, I submit it's far, far more than that. It's a battlefield for your mind. Mortar fire, cannon fire, grenades full of lies. And we're taking the losses. It's time for a night in this savage land. That used to be called a paladin. A defender of the good and honest against the onslaught. Well, we're TNN. The Truth News Network. And your paladin against the barrage is Dan Newman. Well, that could be us. It would be us here at TNN Live, and I would be Dan Newman, and welcome to day number two of this week. It's Tuesday already. We're in June, and June the 6th. My goodness, time is just flying by. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, and days seem to not last as long as they used to. I remember when I was young, especially this time of year, just got out of school. You remember those days? Oh my gosh, I couldn't wake up early enough because I didn't want to waste any of the day. And we just stayed gone all day long during the summers. We lived in South Louisiana. We lived in a neighborhood that was kind of closed in. It was set apart and we had about a hundred kids, like-aged kids that lived in that subdivision. And it was perfect for our moms. They could just let us go, and they knew where we'd be. We knew exactly what we were going to be doing, and it was easy for them to track us and make sure we were okay. Those were special days. We didn't have streetlights then. Now, of course, kids got to be home in the summer when the streetlights come on. Back then, we could fudge, (laughs) and fudge we did. We had a blast growing up. I, thinking about the environment and the atmosphere for children, when I was young, compared to what children are sensing and feeling and seeing and hearing today, I can't imagine how difficult it is for today's kids to live with all of the negativism that they see and hear just like parents do all day, every day. Maybe it's because my mom and dad took care of me and protected me from that kind of stuff. I don't really think, looking back, that there was this kind of stuff back then. When you used the term woke back in the 60s, you know what it meant? It meant you woke up from a nap or you woke up from sleeping overnight. Nobody thought about there being a whole social culture across the nation and the world that was based on being woke. Oh my gosh, what the heck are we going to do to straighten this mess out? Well, we can begin by doing what we're going to do, you and me right now. We're going to spend the next couple hours, we're going to break some things down, some things that are controversial, some things that are ugly, but at the end of it all, guess what we're going to find at the end of that rainbow? We're going to find some facts. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get started right now. Cherish is a word I use to describe All the feeling that I have fighting here for you in summer You don't know how many times I wish that I had told you You don't know how many times I wish that I could hold you You don't know how many 
times I've wished that I could mold you into someone who could cherish me as much as I cherish you. Cherish is a word that more than applies To the hope in my heart each time I realize That I am not gonna be the one to share your dreams That I am not gonna be the one to share your schemes That I am not gonna be the one to share what seems to be the you could cherish as much as I do yours. Oh, I'm beginning to think that man has never found the words that could make you want me, that have the right amount of letters, just the right sound that could make you hear. Make you see that you are driving me out of my mind Oh, I could say I need you But then you'd realize that I want you Just like a thousand other guys would say they loved you With all the rest of their lives When all they wanted was to touch your face, your hands And gaze into your eyes Cherish is the word I use to describe All the feeling that I have writing here for you inside You don't know how many times I wish that I had told you Cherish me as much as I cherish you Where did I dig that up, huh? 1966. I mean, that's even before my time in radio. Cherish, that's the association. Now, let me tell you how far back this goes and what it means to me specifically. 45s were out then. You remember those little bitty albums that were no longer albums? They had one song on them, had a bigger hole in the middle. And I'll tell you, this will tell you how old I am and what I did. I got in radio in 1969. Cherish, well, this group, the association, they were dinosaurs by that time, three years later. But that song, Cherish, was their biggest hit. And they had another one, Out Along Comes Mary, which was a wicked, evil song because Mary was marijuana. Marijuana had just broke on the international horizon. And so in the church, oh my gosh, we we couldn't play music like that. Along comes Mary. Well, guess what? I have that song, and I'll play it for you in the next coming days. But let me illustrate how old I was. The flip side, yeah, I got in radio, and we had a we had a 
a little song of 45, and it had Cherish on one side. The song on the flip side was called Requiem of the Masses. Now, for those of you who are musical sycophants like me, I'm going to play that for you later this week. It will blow your mind when you hear it. Requiem of the Masses. You learn a lot when you come to TNN Life every day, and you get it all for free. I I like to pass out just a moment ago. I just happened to look down to see how many people were listening at the top of the show. Over 100,000 already. I want to say welcome to you all. Tuesdays are always big days here at TNN Live because our resident investigative, uh, I don't want to call him a reporter, let's call him a journalist. Steve Baker will be with us in the second hour. We're going to unpack a lot of things. We'll mention a few things in hour number one that we'll probably expand on when Steve joins us. And I'm sure Steve's listening right now. He typically does. So when he comes on the air, he can kind of know where we are. But we are going to visit some of the facts, some of the nasty facts that apply to what you and I are living through right now. And let me just say this. One of the nastiest is what is being revealed, the layers of the onion being pulled off every day, revealing more corruption in the White House, more than we've ever seen before. Does that mean every president is clean and leaves their office with clean hands? Not saying that at all. But when you look at the pile of crap that has built up around President Joe Biden and his immediate and extended family members. And it's not speculation anymore. There are uncontroverted, hardcore facts. And you have people from the FBI that are hiding, that have even more ironclad evidence of fraud perpetrated, not by family members of the president, but by the president himself. And these whistleblowers are not wanting to come forward because they're afraid for their lives. This is actually happening today in the United States. And you would think by this point, with all of this news that's out there that is credible, and now evidence has come out there that proves some of it, it's exposing the evil in our Justice Department. And you know, when anybody in media today, when they talk about the corruption in the Justice Department, everybody has this immediate fallback to a disclaimer statement. They say this, we're going to talk about corruption in the FBI, but make it very clear, we are confident that most of the men and women in the FBI are good, honest, hardworking Americans that love the country, and want to keep us safe. That's a disclaimer, something like that. I'm not going to say that anymore. You know why? Because I don't know. I hope so. I know right now one person that serves in the FBI, and he is a manager. He's a close friend of mine. He's been in the FBI for life. He's about to retire, a field field office director, I know him. He's the only member of the FBI that I can vouch for. And I'm not saying anything about anybody else. I'm just saying all of the corruption that we're seeing unfolded layered at a time, it's hard for me to believe that 
anybody in the FBI that is either part of that stuff or sees it or knows about it would ever let it happen. And if it did happen while they were at the FBI, they would either force whoever's involved in it to go public or they would quit the FBI and go public with the corruption themselves. And I'm sure some of these FBI agents that are caught in that conundrum, they're feeling that sense of obligation right now. And every day, it seems like more and more comes out that implicates Joe Biden. John Kirby, you know who he is? Right now, he used to be at the at the Pentagon, was a spokesman for the Pentagon. He's moved over to the White House, and he is now the National Security Council coordinator for their strategic communications. Kirby, yesterday, former admiral, I guess you're always an admiral. If you're a general or a sergeant or whatever, you always carry that title. So, Admiral John Kirby, now with the NSC. Yesterday, he denied the Biden family's business schemes represent a national security threat. And he did that. He said that after he admitted he had not read the House Oversight Committee report about the Biden family syndicate's corruption. Back in May, that seems like a long time ago, it's just a week ago in May, the House Oversight Committee's probe into the Biden family, over the course of several years, they have credible, hardcore evidence from banks, records from banks that received overseas wire transfer into Biden family accounts that total at least $10 million. And they're coming from business schemes in Romania and in China. So why would that $10 million come? Well, it's coming in return for what appears to be influence peddling. Now, when this all came out, that money came out, everybody in the Biden family said, oh, it's business money, it's business money. Uh-uh. There's nothing business-related to tie it to. In total, nine Biden family members got payments from the family foreign business ventures, and those nine include two of Joe Biden's grandchildren. Have you read the report yourself, and do you personally think there are any national security concerns here? That's a correspondent who asked Admiral Kirby that yesterday in the Monday White House press briefing. Kirby's response, no and no. The question on Monday was the second time in a week reporters have raised the topic of the Biden family business during a White House press briefing. Second time in a week. During last Wednesday's White House press briefing, a reporter asked Kirby what he thought about a recent Harvard-Harris poll that found that over half of Americans, 53%, including, by the way, a quarter of those are Democrats. 53% of us believe Joe Biden was involved with his son in an illegal influence peddling scheme, international influence peddling scheme. What do you say to the majority of Americans who believe that the president is himself corrupt? The reporter last Wednesday asked Kirby. Wow, Kirby replied, passing, pausing for a moment before claiming that there's nothing to these claims. So the questions come as the House Oversight Committee opened a brand new line of investigation 
into that controversial document, that 1023 document from the FBI, which is unclassified, by the way, which means any American should be able to see it. And that document, which we can't see, allegedly details an arrangement that involved an exchange of money for policy decisions between now President Joe Biden and a foreign national. But this happened when Joe was working for Barack. He was vice president. The FBI has the document from an interview the Bureau conducted with that informant who we are told is a highly credible, longtime FBA source dating all the way back to the Obama administration era. FBI Director Chris Ray, he refused to hand over the record. Wouldn't hand it over. He was subpoenaed to hand it over into the custody of the House Oversight Committee. And yesterday, Committee Chair James Comer announced the committee is going to move this Thursday to hold Christopher Ray, FBI Director, in contempt of Congress. In fact, I'm not going to tell you what Comer said. I'm going to let you listen to the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, James Comer. FBI officials confirmed that the unclassified FBI-generated record has not been disproven and is currently being used in an ongoing investigation. The confidential human source who provided information about then-Vice President Biden being involved in a criminal bribery scheme is a trusted, highly credible informant who has been used by the FBI for over 10 years and has been paid over six figures. These are facts and no amount of spin and, frankly, lies from the White House or congressional Democrats can change this information. At the briefing, the FBI again refused to hand over the unclassified record to the custody of the House Oversight Committee, and we will now initiate contempt of Congress hearings this Thursday. Given the severity and complexity of the allegations contained within this record, Congress must investigate further. Americans have lost trust in the FBI's ability to enforce the law impartially and demand answers, transparency, and accountability. The investigation is not dead. This is only the beginning. Only the beginning, Oversight Chairman James Comer says. There's an oxymoron built into what you just heard, and that is simply this. We all know structure of our government, three co-equal branches of government, the executive branch, which includes everything and everybody in the White House, also all the agencies that the heads of are appointed by whoever sits in the White House. That's the executive branch. It includes the FBI, the Department of Justice, and on and on and on. The second branch is the United States Congress. That's the legislative branch, which those two entities combine, the House and the Senate. They make laws, they craft laws, but the important thing in this conversation is the House of Representatives has a committee, always has a committee, the Oversight Committee, and they are responsible chiefly for watching the branches of government, the other two, to make sure that everybody in those branches are complying with constitutional requirements. In that capacity, 
the Oversight Committee, has called on the FBI to give them any information on this matter. These very credible investigative documents that have been received from banks that show millions of dollars have come from overseas, come from China in large part, our number one enemy on the planet, by the way, coming to various members of the Biden family. Well, we call it here the Biden family syndicate. An oversight means you got to look into the goings-on in a department that's under your watch. The executive branch is the chief department that's under the oversight watch of the House of Representatives. And this is not a classified document, which is always what the FBI uses when they don't want to turn something over to the House or the Senate. Oh, it's part of an ongoing investigation, and it's classified. This one's not. They can't hang their hat on this successfully. And you just heard James Comer tell you what his plans as the chairman of that oversight committee are, holding the FBI and Director Chris Ray specifically in contempt of Congress. And we're going to watch and see how that plays out. Let's get another opinion, another version of this. Doug Collins, he is a congressman from uh, Georgia, I believe. He is the um, the minority leader uh, in, in, I guess, in, anyway, in his position. He is part of this oversight watching scene. Yesterday, he was on with Maria Bartiroma, and he gave us a little different perspective on this. House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer says that it will hold the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, in contempt of Congress for refusing to allow the full committee to view an unclassified document. This document allegedly shows Vice President Joe Biden, then Vice President, was part of a $5 million criminal bribery scheme. Only Comer and ranking member Jamie Raskin were able to view the document yesterday. Here's Comer detailing what he saw. FBI officials confirmed that the unclassified FBI-generated record has not been disproven and is currently being used in an ongoing investigation. The claims made in the document are consistent with what we found. It suggests a pattern of bribery where payments would be made through shell accounts and multiple banks. There's a term for that. It's called money laundering. Wow. The White House is responding to this, and the White House claims that the Trump Justice Department already investigated and dismissed these allegations, uh, which is not true. However, sources tell Fox News that former Attorney General Bill Barr did not terminate the investigation, but instead sent it to the Delaware U.S. attorney investigating Hunter Biden. Joining me right now is former Georgia congressman and ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee, Doug Collins. Doug, it's great to see you this morning. Wow, what incredible explosive allegations. You know, you just heard James Comer use the words money laundering. What do you think is going on here? 
Well, Maria, it's good. One, it's good to see you this morning. And and how many times have we been coming on mornings and talking about this? I mean, this the Department of Justice makes a pretzel look like a straight line. I mean, it's just when you look at this, you know, the convoluted arguments that you just heard. The White House saying, "Oh, this was put away a long time ago." Now you're having the FBI say it's part of an ongoing investigation. Bill Barr not closing the investigation, sending it out to the Biden, you know, investigation in Delaware. I mean, the the problem here, this is, uh, it's just they're just seemingly in a circle. What's concerning me the most is, is why the FBI on an unclassified document will not allow more than the chairman and ranking member to see it. Why can the whole committee not see it in the skiff? Well, again, I still have problems with unclassified document not being, you know, having to be shown in a skiff. Again, there's a lot of questions here, but it goes back to a central problem. It, it always seems like when it comes to the Bidens or the Clintons, for that matter, if you go back for a little while, they're treated differently than everybody else. And I think that's the concern that the American public should have here. Why is it taking so long to investigate this? These are just questions, simple questions that I think Comer's trying to get at. Yeah, I mean, I also want to get your take on these contempt of Congress charges and how much teeth they really have. I mean, the FBI is responding to the House, saying that it is moving to hold Christopher Wray in contempt of Congress, calling the move, quote, unwarranted. I spoke with House Speaker Kevin McCarthy over the weekend on Sunday Morning Futures about the FBI funding, what he can do now. Here's what he said. The FBI wants a new headquarters. If you look at, in today's dollars, what the Pentagon costs is about 900 million. They want to spend roughly 4 billion to start. Four times, I do not think that's the best use of our money. I also wonder, do we need one big, large FBI building? And does it need to be back in Virginia? Or should it be in Maryland? Or should it be in Texas, if you're doing cybersecurity or others? I think it's responsible that they come in and do their job. But if that's the argument, wouldn't it be better if we had smaller offices across the country where FBI agents could help local law enforcement to solve human trafficking, to solve cybersecurity? Doug, we were talking about the debt ceiling debate and really how much money they can hold back from the FBI since the FBI wants to spend three and a half billion dollars on a new headquarters. They need that money uh, and they need Congress to uh, approve it. That's bigger than the Pentagon, Doug. So they want this money for new headquarters in the face of this contempt of Congress charge. So how much teeth do you think the contempt of Congress charge has uh, on on Christopher Wray? And what about Congress's ability to hold back that funding? Maria, great question. I think this is a two-part question. Number one, let's take the question of the contempt. Uh, Chris Ray does not want to be held in contempt. He would join, uh, you know, the Eric Holder and others who've been held in contempt. Here's the problem, though. Merrick Garland, as the as the attorney general, would have to be in charge of prosecuting that contempt charge. That'll never happen, unfortunately, in this administration, because the Department of Justice only will prosecute seemingly uh, conservatives or others who actually fall under contempt, which has really never been prosecuted that much at all, except when we saw some coming out of the January 6th committee. They prosecuted Bannon and others. Again, this this is a flaw in the system. They can be held in contempt by Congress, but the DOJ is the one who has to process this or actually prosecute it. I just don't see that happening, but it is a stain on Ray's uh, reputation, which I think he needs to step aside anyway. The other part, though, is dead on. This is where Congress has the control over the executive branch, and that is the power of the purse. And if they will actually do the appropriations, that's where they need to go at it. But you got to have 218 in the House, 60 in the Senate, and one president to sign it. This is where the, the House is right now, but they need to press forward making the FBI answer these questions. 
Well, I just wonder about the power of the purse. Uh, if we were to see uh, lawmakers not get their work done and then uh, that triggers a 1% decline in across-the-board spending, does, does defense spending take a bigger hit than anything else? I mean, yes. with these new rules around the appropriations process, do you still see Congress having the power of the purse to be able to hold back this funding? Well, it's going to be difficult. Yes, the the answer is yes. But here's my I have two pro problem with this. Number one, they, all they talk about is freezing spending. If you're going to ever get the debt under control, you have to actually cut spending. So let's just get that mm. under control. You actually have to spend less than you actually bring in. That's the only way you ever bring down the debt. As long as you run a deficit, there will always be a debt, and there will always be a need to increase the debt ceiling. That's a problem nobody wanted to talk about. The second part, you know, as you look at these the spending bill here, is that if you go to a one percent cut, where they say one percent cut on defense and one percent cut on not, on the other non-discretionaries, understand one percent will come out of DoD period, and one percent will be spread over the rest of government. If it's if it's uh, any similar point. to the to the sequester that we had back in 2011, which actually led to, if you remember, by the time uh, President Trump came in in 2017, almost 30 yeah. percent of our F-18s could not fly. Those are facts. Doug Collins put facts on the table. So what about the current situation? How do we handle that? We have a credible whistleblower, FBI whistleblower, that, by the way, has gone dark because he's afraid for his life. Think about that for a second. Who is he afraid of? He's afraid of the FBI. How credible is that? Representative Anna Luna from Florida yesterday, she kind of described how real it is. She said the FBI is afraid that their confidential informant on that criminal bribery scheme and his family, both him and his family, will be killed if their identity is revealed. Representative Luna said this, just left meeting for House Oversight the FBI is afraid their informant will be killed if unmasked based on info he has brought forward about the Biden family. She posted her message after the FBI briefed the powerful House Committee on Oversight on June 5th about the unclassified document alleging then-Vice President Biden engaged in a $5 million bribery scheme with a foreign national in exchange for certain actions when he was vice president. So the guy is scared for his life, credibly scared for his life. Can you believe this is the United States of America and this is actually credible right now? This guy and his family have reason to believe that if they go public, They'll be assassinated, basically. And who would he be going public to talk about? Corruption. Not only President Biden and his family members, but the FBI itself. They're involved in this cover-up and have been for years. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote somebody that weighed in on something that is not specifically about this but it illustrates what's going on. And that is something that was said by one candidate running for president. And he was pointing to former President Donald Trump, who when he ran, remember, 
He told us a bunch of things that he was going to do if we elected him president. He ran. He was elected. We know that's history. We also look at what he was able to accomplish. Every promise he made while campaigning, he achieved in his four years as president, with the exception of those things that he could not get done because Congress wouldn't do it. And one of the things he wanted to do was an overhaul of the Department of Justice, specifically the FBI. It is unconscionable that we are today talking about an FBI informant that has credible, credible investigative evidence that the sitting president of the United States was bribed and took $5 million for his influence on certain matters. We don't yet know what those certain matters are, but it was pay for play, quid pro quo Joe, who did it. And it was done. No question it happened. This president, has got to be held accountable. And it doesn't matter if he's held accountable by the FBI, anybody, any other part of the Department of Justice, or just the American people. You do the crime, you pay the fine. That is the only way that I'll ever be convinced we do not have a two-tiered justice system. It's when those that are obviously publicly Wicked, evil, breaking the laws, pushing the envelope, taking advantage of their power and doing it unethically, if not criminally, from top to bottom in the government, starting with President Joe Biden. Off to gang and showtime. Do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I went and got looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels. What are you modeling, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies, so losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Yeah, you probably heard 
the only place that plays a Bud Light commercial <laughs> is at TNN Live. Oh, well, contracts are wonderful. You got to do what the contract says you do. Hey, don't forget, Tuesday, what happens Tuesday at TNN Live? Every week, Steve Baker joins us in hour number two, our investigative journalist, and he's got a plate full of stuff for us at the top of this hour. But before he joins us, I want to address one of the debacles of wokeism, about racism, and about ownership of the huge segment. I was trying to come up with the correct word. A huge segment of today's media that are totally in the tank. When I say in the tank in the media, they know everything. They know far more than you or I know about anything and everything, and they prove it to us every day. We all know racism has always been a problem in the United States of America, but it's not exclusive to this nation, and it's always existed, and it will exist, always. What humans are trying to do or need to do is find ways to, as much as possible, as best as possible, erase racism from our society. But there's always somebody out there that feels like they're endowed, enlightened, and because of maybe who they are or where they work, they have the ability and the unfettered right to say exactly what they want to say about racism. And just because they're the ones saying it, and because of their job, not because of factual information that they spew, is actually true. One of those is that icon of the view. Lots of credibility in her wake, too. Everybody, they know her. We all do. We know former comedian. She's an intellectual giant, especially on social culture things and specifically about racism and politics. And, of course, now we have an African-American that's running for president, South Carolina U.S. Senator Tim Scott, one of the finest, nicest people that's ever served in Congress. He's black. And, of course, so is sitting U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Both of those African-American men happen to be from the South. Joy Behar, not so much. She's a spokesperson and a comedian on The View. But recently... Behar weighed in on her knowledge and understanding of what black people are supposed to think about racism. And so this is in her wake. Listen to this. I think it's from two months ago. Joy Behar. And he's one of these guys who, you know, he's like Clarence Thomas, black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that African-Americans face in this country and other minorities. He doesn't get it. Neither does uh, Clarence. Right. And that's why they're Republicans. Yeah. (laughs) So Joy Behar is talking about then just Senator Tim Scott. And now he's a presidential candidate, Tim Scott. And of course, she and her elitist knowledge base, she knows more about racism in the South than either U.S. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas or U.S. Senator Tim Scott, both of them from the South, both of them grew up in the South. And of course, 
They're Republicans, and that proves, because they're Republicans, that proves that they're too stupid to know what racism is. So, guess what happened yesterday? U.S. Senator slash presidential candidate Tim Scott appeared on The View. And instead of my telling you what he said and the responses that he got, how about let's let you just listen for yourself. You have indicated that you don't believe in systemic racism. What is your definition of systemic racism? Let me ask, answer the uh, question that you've answered. Does it ex- or does it even exist yeah. in your mind? Let me, let me uh, answer the question this way. One of the things that I think about, and one of the reasons why I'm on the show, is because of the comments that were made, frankly, on this show, that the only way for a young African-American kid to be successful in this country is to be the exception and not the rule. That is a dangerous, offensive disgusting message to send to our young people today that the only way to succeed is by being the exception. I will tell you that if my life is the exception, uh, I can't imagine. But, but I can't it ima- is. But it's not, actually. Here's, here's, it's been here's 114 my, years. Yeah, so, so the fact of the matter is we've had an African-American president, African-American uh, vice president. We've had two African-Americans to be secretaries of the state. Uh, in my home city, uh, the police chief is an African-American who's now running for mayor. The head of the highway patrol for South Carolina is an African-American. Still in, 19, in 1975, um, there was about 15% employment in the African-American community for the first time in the history of the country. It's under 5%. 40% homelessness and 50% of, of African-Americans. And 50% of the folks get, in our community. Get 13% they, oh, of the population. You had a chance to ask the question. I know I've watched you on the show that you like people to be deferential and respectful, so I'm going to do the same thing. So here's what I'm going to suggest. I'm going to suggest the fact of the matter is that progress in America is palpable. I look back at the fact that my grandfather, born in 1921 in Sally, South Carolina, when he was on on a sidewalk, a white person was coming, he had to step off and not make eye contact. That man believed then, with some doubt now, in the goodness of America, because he believed that having faith in God, Mm -hmm. faith in himself, and faith in what the future could hold for his kids would unleash opportunities in ways that you you cannot imagine. Every kid today can look, just change the stations and see how much progress has been made in this country. ABC, NBC, CBS, ESPN, CNN, Fox News all have African-American and Hispanic hosts. So what I'm suggesting is that the yesterday's exception is today's rule. There you go. From the horse's mouth, Tim Scott, senator and also presidential candidate. And he's on The View yesterday. And by the way, for some reason, Joy Behar wasn't there yesterday. And you and I both know, I don't care what the stated reason for her absence was. She in no way was going to go head to head with Tim Scott on national television. And I haven't looked lately to see what the ratings are for The View, how many people watch The View every day. I do know they have a cult following, like most long-standing television social-slash-news operations have for daytime programming. I do. But I don't know what the specific situation is for this show yesterday. But isn't it sad when somebody who's a target of racism from somebody on television all the time, like Joy Behar, and what she said about Tim Scott was, by definition, racist. She put Tim Scott and Justice Clarence Thomas down because they're conservative thinkers and they're black. 
That is the definition. It defines what racism is. And it wasn't Tim Scott or Clarence Thomas that were being racist. It's Joy Behar. But she and every other liberal leftist white person with almost no exception, they sign into that because they're Democrats. They're elitists. They've been endowed with the ability to say anything about skin color, ethnicity, all of those things. It doesn't matter what they say because they're who they are. They have an unfettered right to say it. And if they say it, it's almost like from that movie years ago when Yul Brenner, as Pharaoh said, so it is written, so let it be done. The book is complete. If you're elite, you cannot be racist, no matter what you say. So we're 15 minutes away from Steve Baker joining us. Early this morning, we always, uh, we compare notes on Tuesday morning about the topic we're going to discuss when he comes aboard. (laughs) Let, Let me read you. Here's what I responded to him this morning. Um, He's, he's early, actually 7.30 this morning, he sent me this. Thoughts or topics for today? Question mark. My reply, OMG, we can go for days. Biden family syndicate, Chris Ray slash FBI, woke judges, massive inflation, etc. Any or all of the above plus your thoughts. <laughs> In other words, we're going to sweep the kitchen. We're going to do that pizza. Sweep the kitchen pizza. So you don't want to miss it. We've got just a little bit of time. Before he comes aboard, there were several things I wanted to bring to you in addition to what we've already talked about. We're not hearing anything about the southern border. Have you noticed that? Oh, it's like it doesn't exist. There's no problem there. Title 42 expired. There was a big, big conversation 24-7 before it expired and what was going to happen. Well, it expired and what? we thought, everybody credibly felt, was going to happen, a flood of illegals coming in post-Title 42, and it has happened. But nobody's talking about it. None of the major networks. I wonder why that is. Let me give you a little inside information on just one part of it. Law enforcement officials in Zavala County, Texas, they yesterday told us that human smugglers are back to business as usual, following a brief lull in activity on Texas roadways at the end of Title 42. By the way, Zavala County is a mere 30 miles from the Rio Grande border with Mexico. Sheriff's office there, deputies in the rural county, they thwarted 15 migrant smuggling cases in just the last seven days. 15 smuggling cases. So, a little bitty county, it's not big Zavala County, just a few deputies on duty to patrol a myriad of roadways that lead away from the border. The smugglers there are once again taxing the county's limited resources and creating dangerous conditions on isolated two-lane roadways. Zavala County Sheriff's Office and Chief Deputy Ricardo Rios said it's back to business as usual there regarding their latest encounters with smugglers in his county. These smugglers often use recently stolen vehicles. 
They're leading the deputies on high-speed pursuits every day that usually result in significant property damage and injuries to the drivers and, by the way, to the migrants that are being smuggled. Smugglers often steal vehicles from larger metro areas like San Antonio and Houston, and they just immediately travel to the border region to transport migrants away from the border in those stolen vehicles. In one of the 15 cases from just the last seven days, deputies initiated a vehicle pursuit that moved from a rural county roadway into the city of La Prior, Texas. The pursuit ended after a Texas Highway Patrol officer managed to successfully deploy one of those tire deflation operations where they throw this thing out across the road in front of the vehicle and the tires immediately get popped and go flat. The driver in that particular case was found to be a Mexican national who required medical treatment after he swallowed a heroin-filled balloon. The driver caused significant property damage after he crashed into the fence of a private residence. This kind of stuff happens all day, 24-7, and we don't hear anything about it now. The return of the migrant smuggling activity there at the southern border is, again, creating an additional burden on the small department in Zavala County, whose primary responsibility is, guess what, responding to local crimes. In all, 44 migrants were apprehended after being arrested by the deputies in seven days. In several cases, suspected migrants and drivers were able to abscond from the vehicles and not get caught. Deputies reported several instances where up to 10 migrants managed to just disappear into private ranches and they all got away. I wonder who those gotaways were, those 10 migrants that got away. What was their background? Besides the fact that they were breaking the law right now and numerous laws, I wonder where they came from. I wonder if they were involved in not just drug smuggling, human struggling, sex trafficking, what else? We'll never know. Zavalli County is a challenging environment for these deputies patrolling these multitude of roadways. These include numerous farm-to-market roads that allow smugglers easy access from the border region. The migrants these deputies encounter down there in these smuggling cases are those who first managed to escape apprehension at the border. So they've already gotten away from law enforcement once. In May, 51,000 migrants were reported as known gotaways by Border Patrol, 51,000. That's on top of the ones that came through that we got their number. Nine drivers were arrested, charged with smuggling, a felony offense under Texas law. The statute currently is at a minimum, a third-degree felony, carries fines up to $10,000 and a prison term between two and 10 years. The penalties for the offense of smuggling may soon increase depending on the results of a special legislative session called by Texas Governor Greg Abbott, the session will specifically address increasing the criminal penalties for certain criminal conduct that involves smuggling or the operation of a stash house. But the key to all that is one word, one word only. Doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what 
Greg Abbott, the governor over there, what he gets done in this special legislative session. The word that has to be applied. No exceptions. Accountability. On a national level, it's not happening now. A flood of immigrants coming across our border. Now, our Canadian border as well. Both borders. A flood of illegals. And this president, Joe Biden, rather than make sure his Justice Department enforces federal law, every federal law, instead of doing that, Uncle Joe smiles and pats FBI Director Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland on the back saying, good going, guys. You're helping me create a permanent Democrat class of voters. We can't get Americans to be members of the Democrat Party, so let's bring in these criminals from all over the world and just let them in. We'll pay them to come. We'll pay their housing, their food, their health care. We'll take care of everything in their lives that they need, and all they have to do is promise us they're going to vote Democrat every election. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza. And we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying value during price participation may vary. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it to put your seatbelt on? People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety. A message from the Government of South Australia. My pappy said, son, you're going to drive me to drinking if you don't stop driving that hot rod Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've dusted off some oldies for today's show. Hot rod Lincoln. I don't even remember what year that was. That was a, a medley of that guy's hit. He had one. You know, we were just talking about smugglers as a way for Democrats to build their political party. There's another way they're doing it. A reporter and TPUSA contributor Drew Hernandez, he revealed some footage yesterday of an all-ages drag show happening in Tempe, Arizona. It appeared to turn into a political rally. 
Democrats joined in with a female impersonator at a public pride party, and they were there to rally far-left progressive voters for Arizona's upcoming elections. It's not too late to register for the next election and turn the tide against the GOP. That's That was what was said by Richard Stevens, who uses the drag queen stage name of Barbara Seville. And he continued, it's insane. It's insane. Over 500 laws to curb transgenderism have been introduced across the country. If we could just elect one more person with views and opinions and commitments to us, like some other people do, we can call the shots and we can protect the LGBTQU. Hmm, that's a new letter thrown in there. I didn't see the U at the end of that. He said, we can protect trans people. We can protect people of color. We can make housing a priority. We can tackle things like guns in schools, but we can't do it unless you all get involved and registered to vote. So his anger was directed at Republican legislators in about 20 states who have enacted many policies over the last year, transgender policies. No, they're not transgender policies. What he is railing against is 20 states who have enacted laws over the last year to protect children. These very popular laws protect kids from transgenderous advocates, shield them in sports, kids from opposite sex cheaters, and guard children from the harmful and in most cases irreversible medical procedures touted by Democrat-affiliated transgender groups. However, the centrist pushback against the far left is being aided by the growing number of leave-us-alone gays and lesbians who are protesting the pro-transgender evangelization of K-12 through kids. That's interesting. I didn't know it was out there. In Tempe, the Democrats' political rally featured a rapper who sang raunchy songs as well as the lesbian vice mayor of Tempe, Jennifer Adams. She said, don't get mad, get elected. The city of Tempe has gotten a perfect rating score from pro-gender HRC, that's Human Rights Campaign Group, for the last 10 years. Perfect, 100%. We don't just talk the talk, we walk the walk, and it's proven every single year when we get that 100% award. So the HRC rates companies to see which companies use their HR staff to impose their HRC's agenda on their workforces. The invited entertainment matched that political message, even though the event was billed as an all-ages event. All ages, which meant kids. Kids. Don't even get me started on kids and transgender activists and all that kind of stuff. I've always been of this mindset. I don't care who you are or what you are. Just be whoever you want to be. Do whatever you want to do. But don't throw it up in my face. I don't have anything to do with it. You are who you are, and uh, that's okay with me. It absolutely is. 
And speaking of who you are, and it's okay, Steve Baker, are you with us, my friend? I'm here. Good morning, Dan. Well, you were listening to me pontificate there for a second. I apologize. For a second there, yes. <laughs> I, I know it's unusual and hard to believe that I would do it on this show, but every once in a while, I just, no. you know, I just get a little over the edge. Good morning. How you doing? Well, it's, uh, when, when you say, how am I doing, Dan, I could go two hours right now into how I'm doing. Uh, and, and I'm, and I'm not kidding. I, I will, I will tell you, this has been an incredible, um, last 24 hours in my life, specifically related to all of this investigative work that we've been doing and, and the work that I've been doing in DC. We have stories that are coming to fruition now. Uh, we're about to hit the street, uh, in collaboration with Joe Hanneman of the Epic Times. We have a big story coming out tomorrow morning. And this is a big one. I mean, a really, really big one. And uh, it is for those viewers or listeners, rather, who are familiar with my series on the Capitol Police. This is uh, part of that ongoing investigation into what was happening to them and with them uh, on January 6th. So uh, that has been happening. We have... um, uh, more evidence of unfortunate, and I hate to say it, but we're, we're seeing obstruction from Congress in terms of actually getting some of this information out. There are forces there who do not want the truth to, to come out. There are other parties involved and even some parties and what I would call sympathetic media who think that we're getting ahead of ourselves by releasing these stories. And, uh, to be honest with you, Dan, I, I, I hearken back to something that I experienced exactly 40 years ago this month. I was sitting, actually it was 40 years ago last month, I was sitting in Tallinn, Estonia. Back then it was the Estonian Soviet Socialist Republic. And I had been secreted through the night through a series of uh, multiple changes in transportation from taxis to uh, buses to private cars. And they brought me to a dissident leader's house. This is a Christian dissident leader's house. And this particular dissident leader was about to face prison at the time. And they brought me into his uh, living room in the middle of the night with the shades drawn, all the lights out. And he comes in from the back of the house and he sits down on a sofa across from the chair that I was sitting in. And we began to talk uh, about the purposes of why I was there on that particular uh, excursion behind the Iron Curtain. And at one point in his, uh, his, his telling me what was going on with him and his family at the time, he held up a pencil with the, you know, the, the pointed edge towards the ceiling and the the eraser edge towards the floor. And he says, he said, the Soviets tell us that truth looks like this. And then he flipped the pencil completely over 180 degrees. And he said, but because here in Tallinn, we can get finished television. We know that the truth looks like this. And I never dreamed, Dan, that I would be fighting that scenario right here in my own country, literally against elements of our own government. And that's what I've been up to for the last 24 hours. 
Let me weigh. Imagine. Let me weigh in a little my, bit. My state of mind. Yes, I can. Let me weigh in just a little bit here, and let people understand that there are a lot of people that really don't get deep into these debacles that we see going on. We talked about human smuggling at our southern border. It's rampant. It's destroying the infrastructure of our nation, deliberately being done by the Biden administration and whoever Biden's handlers are. We don't talk about it. We talk about, you know, the southern border problem and how many people are coming in, but we don't get into the weeds down low. And they don't want us to talk about it because if Americans find out exactly what's happening, Americans will revolt just like we are seeing happen now against the transgenderism movement to steal America's children from moms and dads. That's just one example. But let me tell you what I'm running into. I talk about the January 6th stuff and what happened on January 6th that's been revealed. And also every once in a while, I'll throw out a little nugget that I've learned from you or some friendly member of Congress that we speak to here. And I get a lot of pushback. People that laugh, you really believe that stuff? But then we find out there are still people in jail in D.C. that haven't been tried yet, or they're partially tried and there are recesses or whatever reason or reasons they come up with, but languishing in jail and you can't talk about it. Nobody wants you to talk about it. That means you're an election denier. They've got a label for everybody that disagrees yeah. with them. And and then we hear things from other people. This thing going on with the FBI informant on that 1023 FBI form that's unclassified. And Christopher Ray, yeah. FBI director, refuses to give it to the House Oversight Committee. Right. But we're not supposed to talk about the FBI and the whistleblower that brought that information forward. He has credible threats on his life and the lives of every family member if he just doesn't go away. Yeah. This is the United States of America. This is not Estonia. These things are not supposed to happen here. But Steve, I'm with you. They're happening every day while we're watching it happen. And you and I are even being watched, you probably more than me because you were physically there on January 6th. I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I report about it. I have you on the show. Have I ever told you what we can't talk about here at TNN Live when you come aboard? No, not yet. And Well, I'm not going to. <laughs> I would never do that to you. Then, then Dan, I will keep coming on your show <laughs> because because no, I, I I'm I you, it's just so hard because I'm not going to name names, but getting pushback right now, not just from elected leaders of our country, but getting pushback from sympathetic media who are telling me right now not to tell the truth, and I'm and I'm I had a a round uh, with a row rather with someone last night about this. And I'm like going, what is the difference between telling the truth now and telling the truth two weeks from now or, or two months from now, the truth is the truth. And in, and in this particular case, the truth is not endangering anybody's lives. This truth is coming out from 
actual whistle, same thing, actual whistleblowers about circumstances that have been withheld from the public about what happened that day, uh, circumstances that that did on the day endangered people's lives, things that happened specifically for the purpose of putting Capitol Police officers at further risk than what I've even reported up to this point, Dan. And, you know, I, can, I had that series called the, the Capitol Police for Sacrificial Ponds on January 6th on, you know, on my locals uh, page. And, and every time we talk to a new officer and every time a new officer comes forward or a new uh, uh, stone is unter- uh, overturned, we find more dirt, <laughs> more worms, more rot underneath that stone. And, um, it's, it's incredibly frustrating at this point. Here we are over two years later, as you pointed out rightfully, while people are rotting away in what we call and refers, uh, as, referred to as the DC gulag and other people's lives are being wrecked. I mean, we've already had a thousand people's lives disrupted, whether they were violent or not, whether they were what I call the accidental um, tourist that day or, you know, trespassing, but these lives, you understand that people that have been charged with nothing more than misdemeanor charges for, for glorified trespassing into the Capitol that day, not even being aware that there was violence that preceded their entrance by 30 minutes or whatever it was. They just saw open doors and they went through it. These people's lives have been destroyed because back home, they lost their jobs husband, wife, they lost their relationship to church. They lost the relationships with family members. They've been kicked out of every club that they were in, every social group. Uh, they, they lost their entire network of friends and business as a result of just being an accidental tourist that day. And that's just the, the tip of the iceberg of what had happened, what has happened to so many of them. And now the Department of Justice is absolutely intent on pulling another thousand people in with that dragnet and ruining another thousand Americans' lives. And basically, Dan, with with only a handful of exceptions, they've identified all of the violent perpetrators. And there's about 120 of them that they've identified and not arrested for some reason. We have our theories about that. But nevertheless, they're now going after the people that were just inside the restricted space. And these people's lives are going to be destroyed. And we have the elected representatives of this country not doing anything about it. And we have now members of our own, what I, again, I've said it for the third time now, our sympathetic media are backing off as well. And I know why that is. I know that polling is not good on January 6th related matters. The most recent, um, uh, it was the Harris-Harvard poll that came out two weeks ago, showed that only 5% of the American public considered January 6th an important issue. In fact, it was number 22 on the list of important issues for uh, Americans in that large poll. And obviously these congressmen have that poll. They have their own internal polling. And the press is looking at this and going, yeah, you know, people are just not interested in this thing and they don't want it on the front page anymore. They think it's turning people off. 
they're seeing readership go down on those articles. But what they're not understanding is, and as we've discussed here on this program before, is they are not understanding the longer, more important precedent that is being set as these trials are going forward and in federal court, federal district court in D.C., precedent is being set against speech, against normal protesting behaviors. If you wandered through that Capitol that day and you didn't say anything, you probably got a plea deal that resulted in a two-year probation, maybe a $500 or $1,000 fine, maybe a few hours of community service, something like that. But if you went through the Capitol and you were live streaming on your Facebook page, or you were waving your flag around, or you were chanting USA, 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 or you went back home and then you made a video and said, hey, we were inside the Capitol that day. Well, then you may have probably, because you did those things, because you said something, or because you waved a flag, or because you sang a song, the national anthem for heaven's sakes, because you sang that song inside the Capitol, then you're upcharged and your sentencing guidelines are that you may get two months, three months, eight months in jail as a result of using your speech. What precedences are being set, and that is going to affect all of us, Dan, you and me especially, as we go forward. What people need to understand, what our listeners need to understand, is really what's at stake. And what's at stake is the fiber of what this nation was built on and what we've lived through 240 years. At least we thought we were living on the promises that were made and those things that have become the fiber of the U.S. government, things like the First Amendment, our freedom to assemble, our freedom of speech, can't be abridged by the federal government. We have a whole set of rights and privileges that we've been giving up unknowingly in most cases, but we've been giving them up to agencies of our government because we're led to believe it's a a justifiable sacrifice. Rand Paul, one of my heroes, Rand Paul, over and over and over again, he warns Americans that all of these things that have happened over the last decade or so, much of them have been purposefully put out there as experiments, as trials, to see just how much of our personal rights and privileges we Americans are willing to give up to our government when we're told this is reasonable service, what you're doing, because we need access to unfettered access to the ability to listen in on telephone conversations without having to go get a subpoena that shows it's justified, proved to a court that it's justified for us to do it. But that takes too long. And if we're going to protect you from the foreign foes, we need the unfettered ability just to, based upon the evidence that we have, not proving that to a judge somewhere, just trust us and let us have the unfettered ability to do this. Giving up to those quote-unquote causes our freedoms and our liberties. COVID-19, every day, we find out Every single day, the whole thing was a scam. Yesterday, 
We reported here 300 research medical trial papers that had been put out during the pandemic. 300 of them have been discredited and removed from all of the research papers that had been published, and every one of them contained factual medical proof that this is really the truth. Just trust us. Believe us. 300. You didn't see that on the headlines anywhere. It didn't happen. But people died because we trusted what we were being told by our government. Do you know what the third leading cause of death in the United States was last year, Steve? The they third call, leading cause? Third leading cause. No, what was the third? They are terming it MD. Now, what does MD stand for? <laughs> Medical doctor. Medical doctor. Well, it, Medical it, doctor. It has been, yeah. Medical doctor treatment. Mistreatment right. of patients is the leading, not the leading, but the third leading cause of death in the United States last year. And most of that comes from their treatment of COVID patients based upon what? Based upon information from the likes of Dr. Anthony Fauci and the Centers for Disease Control, what they told us. Oh, by the way, also, of our three accepted vaccines for COVID in the nation, the FDA yesterday just quietly disapproved their verification of the use of Johnson & Johnson's vaccine to treat COVID. Mm -hmm. They took it away. Mm. All of this, we are finding out it is not a conspiracy theory any longer. Our government wants to cede, wants us to cede our liberties that are given to us in the United States Constitution. Actually, they weren't given to us there. The first 10 amendments were people like uh, Thomas Jefferson that felt we need to restate to the U.S. government what their rights actually are and what our rights are actually and that the government can't usurp our rights ever. Those are permanently the people's rights. That's how big a deal it was then. I wonder what that would look look like now if some members of Congress decided, you know what, we need to go back and redress that. They'd probably be slapped down in a minute. Yeah. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a little PO'd today. Well, you know, I think both of us are dealing with this same frustration, and it all comes back to what you were making a point about is that we are ceding our rights slowly away. We ceded our rights during the COVID regime because they told us it was for our own good, and the vast majority of the population went, um, oh, okay, if you say so, I'll stay home for two weeks and then two months. And then for some of us, our jobs were taken away from us for two years. And then they told us to wear the mask, and we said, okay, And now we're finding out that not only were they largely ineffective, I'm not going to bore your audience by rattling off the statistics because I've got them memorized for each type of mask. 
uh, in terms of their uh, effectiveness and ineffectiveness. But now we're finding out about the damage that they were doing uh, to the body and to the human respiratory system and so many other systems uh, related to um, how our, we, our God-given design uh, was was made to work in terms of getting things out of our body instead of holding them uh, at our mouth and at our, our nose. And and as a result of that, um, we're, we're learning that those things were actually not, not only ineffectual, they were harmful. But the worst part about that, Dan, and you made a great point just a moment ago is about these 300 you know, uh, studies. We had 100 years worth of studies, peer-reviewed scientific studies by the hundreds and the thousands on the dangers of long-term mask wearing. And yet, when we started, some of us, like myself, started pointing that out in the early days of the masking regime and the masking mandates, they not only were fact-checking us on social media, they were not only suspending us and taking our voice away from it, from pointing it out, but we were sharing nothing more than peer-reviewed studies that were archived on government websites, CDC, NIH, WHO. We were sharing their archived, documented studies, and they were blasting us for doing that. Steve, we published off of YouTube. We published here thirty-seven reviews, mask reviews that were published on the CDC website, 37 of them, and we published the links to each one of those, and there was one mask that was kind of effectual. It's preventing the spread of COVID-19, and it was one of those that has the plastic mask that goes around that seals your face and nose off and it's hooked to an oxygen tank. That's the only right. one that protected. And it's on their website, but Fauci got up and pontificated. He even said in one press briefing, I'll never forget it. He said, you know, you got to wear the mask and we're not sure because of the material to be safe. Let's double mask And if you're in a bad situation in big crowds, you might ought to think about three. And then two days later, two days later, he did the first one on Friday. It was actually three days later. On Monday, on another show, he laughed at the craziness of people that are saying, you got to wear a mask or you're going to die and spread it. He laughed and said, it's just a symbolic thing. It's to get people to understand this is a really important thing we're going through. Yeah, right. It really was important. It was a it was a placebo. It was a placebo, and more importantly, I was able to show that as well because, again, on either the, the C, CDC or the NIH website, uh, which of course you know the, the, the NIH is who writes or wrote uh, Fauci's paycheck at the time, and I pulled a, uh, a study off of that that showed this was a massive international, again, peer-reviewed study that showed masks even in the operating room, in surgical theater, were, this was their term, not mine. They said it was largely a placebo. (laughs) And, 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 And of course Fauci knew that. He's read that study. 
he knew that if it was a placebo in the surgical theater, it was a placebo outside. It was a placebo in the grocery store. It was a placebo uh, riding in the front seat of your car by yourself, where we've seen so many people doing that foolishness. But people aren't just giving up their liberties by just that sense of, of perceived security because of what some government official or bureaucrat has told them. But now they're giving it up out of fear. And this is this, and I, I hate to dovetail back to you know what I was talking about earlier, but people are afraid now. They're they're the next time that there's an event where you want to bring redress uh, of your grievances before your government officials, people are going to stay home because they're going to be afraid of what the long-term ramifications are going to be because the neighbor down the street or across the cul-de-sac from them lost their livelihood. They lost everything because they waved an American flag inside U.S. Capitol. Let me give you another example of what you and I are talking about and what it means right now today. Steve is very, very visible in what he does. He has spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. He's known to a lot of people up there, and he's not liked in a lot of ways. We here have always been truth speakers. We couch it. We make sure no nobody is going to think that we're trying to edit things. We're being totally open. We've had the most amazing doctors in COVID world have come to this show. People like Dr. Judy Mikovits, who... Anthony Fauci despises and hates and tried to destroy her. Dr. Peter McCulloch, he was the head of Baylor Medicine. He came out, he was the first big-name doctor that treated patients that came out and said, this COVID thing is all manufactured. Everything about it. He was on this show first. So we put those people out there. I'm going to give you an example of what Steve and I are talking about and its ramifications today. We've laughed in the past because here we track not just the number of people that are listening, but the software we use gives us the IP address of everybody that's listening. IP address, whether it's a phone or it's a computer or a laptop, it doesn't matter. We've got the IP address of everybody that's listening here and the geographical city that they're listening in. Now, one would think that the United States intelligence agencies, they have all kinds of capabilities. They have the ability to listen in on anything and everything, and they also have the ability to do so anonymously. But every time Steve comes on this show, I look over at some point in this hour, and I look at the IP address geographical locations of the people that are listening. And we've laughed about Langley, Virginia, there being a few people there. We have four people that are listening right now from Langley, Virginia. Now, that's not the big deal. Let me tell you what the big deal is. They know that we know they're listening, and they did not have to listen that way. They could very easily do it anonymously but they want Steve and I both to know that they're listening to what we're talking about today. It's our government that's doing that. We don't live in the Soviet Union or anything like the Soviet Union, but what this administration from top to bottom is doing in governing the American people is so close 
to totalitarianism, it's already at least authoritarian. You know, that's where a small group of people actually run everything. And it may be totalitarian, and we don't know about it. But one thing we do know is your rights and my rights are now in large part being used by weaponizing fear of the government and putting that out there for you and I. As Steve just said, people are thinking twice before they come forward and speak about things that they don't like and don't think are right in our government because they don't want to be grabbed and thrown into a Washington, D.C. jail and sitting there for 18 months waiting for a speedy trial, which is a constitutional guarantee that our government has just decided doesn't matter. Nobody's pushing back on that. And even these members of the House of Representatives and some in the Senate, they are petrified. And they're not doing some of the stuff that they would have done three, four, five years ago. If some of these things were happening then, they wouldn't have allowed it. They would have stepped in and gotten a megaphone and spoke as loud as they could, damning the government for doing these egregious things to private citizens. That's not happening anymore. Now, I'm not trying to scare anybody, and I know Steve doesn't either. What we're making sure you know is factual information for you to use for yourself and your family. And we're not out there trying to rip up a crowd and get some big thing going, some big January 6th-like event. That's not what we're doing at all. We both feel like this is going to have to change, but it's going to have to change through grassroots rejection of this philosophy of the current government, which is top-down, surreptitiously stealing the privacy stealing the rights of a population that is now when the eyes are opening, the first thing that happens is fear. Instead of getting angry and realizing if we don't do something, we're going to be serving somebody in our government rather than our government serving the people. This will never be again if we lose this. It will never be in the United States, government of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's going to turn into, and we're close to it now, government by the government, government for the government, and government of the government, not the people. Yeah. I don't even know how to respond to that. You said it all right there, Dan. Well, let me just say that we didn't. I know we did, I know we didn't hit anything on uh, your list that you wanted to cover today, <laughs> but uh, maybe we said enough. I don't know. Well, let me just say this: um, specifics are the only way we're going to be able to get things done. And you and I both, we've been kind of private about keeping things close to our chest because we don't want to throw people under the bus. We don't want people that are honest, that are really doing their jobs like they're supposed to do in government and in media. We don't want them to lose their jobs. And it's a really tough thing to do. It's hard for me to keep my mouth shut when I find something out that is wrong, especially 
something that is wrong our government is doing or not doing, and I have that information. I mean, my first reaction is to scream from the mountaintops. I mean, we have a pretty decent-sized megaphone here, as you do, with your website and your program and your locals group. We, We both do. But think about it for a second. Both you and I hold things close to the chest. In some cases, for a long time, sometimes we don't even want to say what we're holding because of who it might impact and what might happen to them. That in itself needs to make everybody understand things are different now in the United States. They're not the same. Well, Dan, I think that over the last week especially, and especially when I consider, didn't you and I have a bet, or did we uh, execute that bet last week? I can't remember. Which one? <laughs> what was it about? I think it was over the debt the debt ceiling vote. Um, <laughs> we were talking about that uh, last week, about which way it would go. And when we look at even some of the people that we really like, that we really, really like that are on Capitol Hill, and then we feel betrayed by them, even if it's a singular vote. And then we ask why, and we try to figure out why. I mean, you know, Thomas Massey broke my heart last week with his vote. He's been my favorite guy in the House for years. Uh, Rand Paul stood farm, uh, firm. He's my favorite guy in uh, in the Senate. And uh, and so we we have to we we start figuring out why they uh, seemingly betrayed our cause or our, you know, our side uh, or our uh, political philosophy in a particular vote. And we, you know, we will forgive the odd error here and there. But when we see a succession, a succession of incidences happening from people that we thought were, you know, the good guys, uh, it, especially for guys like you and me who are maybe a little bit more plugged in, uh, more connected to those worlds. Uh, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure on, as you were talking about what we can and can't say, because as I opened up my, my rant today with you is that the truth is the truth. And, you know, one of, one of the things about being a, I, I characterize myself as a small L libertarian. I'm not a member of any party and libertarian, conservative, I mean, Republican or otherwise. And I don't have any special or particular loyalties, but you do have this philosophical, simpatico um, uh, relationships with lawmakers um, that most of the time see the world in the same way that you do. And that is one of the things that I'm most struggling with was, with is with this new fact, because for me, it's really newfound. Uh, it has only been in the last couple of years that I've become really connected to that world. And uh, it is, it is becoming a, a daily, a much more difficult struggle for me to walk that line of, can you tell I'm being careful right now, Dan? Well, yeah, really and I understand why you I, are. I do. 
I'm taking I'm taking a long pause between each word or sentence because I'm having to think each one of them through, and and usually I don't have to do that, but I'm having to be careful not just right now in this soliloquy that I'm making at this moment, but I'm having to be more careful every single day because I have to go. Wait a minute, if I tell the truth today, okay. Who's going to be mad at me? And you know, who cares if the left is mad at you? Who cares if Pelosi is mad at you? But if I tell the truth today and Jim Jordan is mad at me, does that mean I shouldn't tell the truth? I have. It's, it's becoming that. It's becoming that kind of struggle every day. I have four members of Congress that I interact with regularly. Four, and they're all. Republicans, and they're all like-minded. And every one of those four, from time to time, I've got a personal relationship with them, and we have an understanding. Uh, when I began to uh, interact with them on this show and off this show, several of them have never even come on this show, but they'll call me when they're looking for information. And therefore, mm-hmm. I have access to call them for the same reasons. They're very careful to make it clear when we talk what's on the record and what's right. off the record. I get so tired of being told that. I'll ask questions and very quickly they'll answer, but at the front of one that they don't want it out there, that they're the ones that answered it, they'll say this is off the record, but and they tell me. Now what is that? what message does that send to me? For some reason <laughs> or some reasons they don't want the public to know that they were the ones that told me whatever it is that I was told off the record or on the record. I get so sick of that. Not that they're doing it, but that that seems to be coming a way of life in Washington, D.C. They need people like you and me. They want access to everybody that's listening to this show right now. But yet... The truth is not all that matters to them. And the message it sends to me, and I'm sure, and you and I have not had this specific part of this conversation. And maybe you and I are having it right now, and people in the TNN Live audience are listening in to a conversation that we might should have off the air. But nevertheless, we're having it, so I'm (laughs) going to dive in. The message they're sending is, look, we've got to have credibility in Congress. If we don't, we can't get anything done. So what that says to me is I'm going to lay down and spread my legs and I'm sorry for the graphic relationship to what I just said, but that's basically what it is. I'm going to give myself up when I need to, to keep my political power, because if I don't have political power in two years, when I'm going to run again, I can't go get campaign money, which means I won't get elected, and I'll be coming back to the state of Louisiana and Texas and Arkansas where these people are from, and I'll have to go to work. Seriously, when you're immersed in the political process 24-7, you think that way. I cannot understand why anybody would give up their rights and their ability to be everyday Americans to serve, and it, and even though the term serve is an oxymoron, most of them aren't serving anybody. 
except their self-interest and self-preservation up there. And once they get there, if you ever, if you ever compromise one time, you're hooked for life. They've got something on you. And that is a political positive or not necessarily positive, a political fact that is uncontroverted. And I think every person that has served more than one term to some degree falls into that category. And my question always comes up. Representative Luna, I like her a lot. The new rep from Florida, I like her a lot. And she, I don't think, has sold out yet. And therefore, she'll say anything. I like people like that. But their lifespan in D.C. is not typically very long. You and I know somebody who I learned after the vote last week on the uh, debt ceiling package that changed the vote that intended to go what I consider to be the right way and was threatened with leadership positions, committee positions, and then, as you properly stated, when you lose those, you also then ultimately lose the power necessary to raise money for your next campaign if they did not change their vote. And this being someone that you and I would be uh, would consider to be one of the good guys, the only thing that I can think of in their minds, they're going, look, they're talking to themselves and they're saying, I, I know I'm a good guy. And I know that if I just compromise on this one issue and I just go ahead and I, I follow the leadership's strong arm on this one vote, then that will preserve my positions of leadership, my positions of power, and will ensure that I'm reelected and it will ensure that I can do really great things for the country later on. If I just compromise this one time. I know who you're talking about. I had a private conversation with that person. And so our audience is listening in to what I'm about to tell you. And I may get in trouble for what I'm about to say. I got a written explanation when I asked very, very hard questions about that vote that was upcoming at the time. And I got a written explanation. And I wasn't. It was, on, it was not off the record, and so I'm not violating any confidence. I'm going to send it to you after we get through with the show today. It'll nauseate you. I was afraid you are going to say that. So, that being said, how about them bears? <laughs> Is there anything good that we could talk about to end our segment today? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we have uh, uh, here's here's good news. We Norway has now banned uh, uh, transgender mutilation surgery, whatever you want to call it, uh, gender affirming care for um, minors. Uh, they join uh, Sweden and Finland. And as I tweeted out yesterday, if the Scandinavian company uh, countries are themselves backing away from this kind of deviancy. We might want to take note because they usually lead the way. Yeah. So uh, there's some good news on the horizon. If you've ever been to Amsterdam, uh, you, oh, yes. you can, yes, I have. Yeah, that's exactly what Steve is talking about. You can see anything and everything on the street 24 7 there. And they're up there, they're 
so far ahead of where we are in their thinking. Uh, we did a story yesterday, less than 16% of the people in American history that have received transgender surgery, biological sex, you know, the whole nine yards, only 16% yeah, yeah. of them get through life after that in what would yeah. be considered a positive way. Most of them have tremendous physical but mostly mental and emotional problems for the rest of their lives. Nobody yeah. talks about that. Yeah. You think they're talking yeah. to these kids that they're hiding from moms and dads about the school teachers and the counselors teaching them and coaching them how to transition away from their biological sex? You think they talk about the downside? Yeah. Heck no. no. But when we have but when we have Norway, Finland, Sweden and, and the UK now banning these surgeries for minors, that is a, that is a positive sign. You wanted something good to close with. <laughs> that is a positive sign because it is, it is entirely important. It, and they, and they're not just banning it. They're stating the reason why that this is in fact a social contagion. They have the data, they have the research, and they also echo what you just said. Most of those children grow out of that when our, you know, when our hormones get a little crazy and a little wacky at around 11, 12 years old, you know, we, we start thinking and doing weird things. And the bottom line is, is that's why we have laws that limit certain behaviors or access to products or the ability to do certain things when you're 13, 14 years old. And then we don't by law, allow you to do those things until you're 18 or 21 and make this exception for the most, the, the single most um, significant thing that you could do to your body when you're eight or 11 or 14 and say that you can do that. And in some states now without your, amazing but the point being is is that these countries who were in fact ahead of us that's the that's what i'm saying it's like a it's like the you know the 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 end of the the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow or it's the silver lining or it's you know it's it's a, a, a ray of light through the dark cloud is the fact that these countries who were so far ahead of us on that particular issue now have the data and they have the research and they're looking at it going oh no we should have not been doing this. And that, I hope, comes to our shores very quickly. Hey, in closing, one good thing we can both agree on, we're both Christians, God's still in charge. That's our fallback. Yes. And uh, I think it's a pretty yeah. darn good fallback. I'm going to mention one thing as we go. I am going to play a song at the end of the show today to close it out, a Michael McDonald song you've never heard of. Stay listening. You only got 13 minutes, but listen to the end of the show. Steve's a musician. I'm a musician. He's a much better musician than I am. I'm a keyboard guy. He plays the trumpet. And uh, <laughs> we have similar musical taste. But anyway, I just wanted to tell you that. Michael McDonald, I won't even give you the name of this song right now. Steve, we always, we always love having you here. Thank you for the truths that you bring to us. And this, this website, this show is open to you anytime. If you need to who or want to anytime other than Tuesday, just give me a jingle. And you got it, my friend. Thank you, Dan. 
You got it, man. Thank you. All right, buddy. We'll talk soon. Steve Baker again, our investigative journalist. And we've got a couple of other goodies for you before we close the show. Back after this. You do your thing and you do it well. Now it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. A friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. Nope, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but... Gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo! Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. Got a little more to discuss about the transgender thing. We'll do that in a second. James Posey, he, uh, during the break, he sent me a text says even the vampires have better morals than we do. They won't change a child because they can't be controlled according to Twilight Saga, LOL. (laughs) Vampires won't change a child because they can't control the kids after they change. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We learned so much here. Guess what's going on down in Florida? Florida legislation, you know, a bunch of it passed prohibiting gender reassignment treatment for minors and curtailing it even for adults. Well, guess what transgender folks are doing in the face of that law that's been passed down there? They're leaving Florida. Since January, GoFundMe fundraisers to help trans people cover moving costs have raised a quarter of a million dollars. The site saw a 39% increase from April to May in fundraisers created to assist trans people leaving Florida. Now, wait a minute. I I didn't know GoFundMe would agree to allow that to happen. Transgenderism is not a real biological thing. It's done to people, and biologically they say they're going to and they're trying to change things, but they can't change it. So that means it's fake. That means GoFundMe's not supposed to allow that, right? Sage Chelf, C-H-E-L-F, a biological male who transitioned in 2021, 
works as a leasing agent in Orlando, but is now looking to move to Illinois to be with his girlfriend. Chelf started a GoFundMe page when he learned the clinic prescribing his hormone therapy would be ending treatment. I don't want to go back to the person that I was forced to be at that time, Chelf said. It was a very dark time in my life. I would rather just not be alive, I guess, than have to go back to living non-trans. 30-year-old started the fundraiser on May 20th, the goal of raising 2500 He's already raised more than $4,000 to finance a move to Illinois. Transgender individuals are also seeking financial assistance from the Campaign for Southern Equality, which is providing grants of up to $500 for trans minors and adults in Florida. In May, three families of transgender children sued the state. They sued the state to block the law from going into effect. They argued the law was unconstitutional since it discriminates based on sex and gender. This is a state of emergency for Florida parents who are already being forced to watch their kids suffer rather than to get them the safe and effective health care they need and that will allow them to thrive. The Southern Legal Council said that in a statement. And they continued in the statement, this law ignores science, unconstitutionally inserts the state into family privacy and parental decision-making, deliberately provokes family conflict by inviting challenges to established custody orders, and tramples on the rights and well-being of transgender adolescents. Violation of the law, by the way, is a third-degree felony, can land offenders in prison for up to five years. Five years in prison for doing something that just makes sense to me. And there is something else going on in the woke world of the National Basketball Association. NBA player Jonathan Isaac, he's shown his willingness years ago to stand on the basketball court while others kneel. But now, as corporate America seems determined to bend the knee to the radical left, Isaac is choosing to stand up for his beliefs one more time. This time, He's launched an anti-woke apparel brand aimed at supporting conservative values. He's a 6-foot, 10-inch power forward, and he took to Twitter to say that the same freedom corporations use to undermine Christian values, his terms, undermine Christian values, is the same freedom he's going to use to create an alternative. Quote, you have companies that are in that field, who have made a conscious decision to either attack or undermine Christian values, conservative values, and things like that, Isaac said. And I think they have the free choice to do it, as much as I disagree, but I feel that we also have the freedom to create what we want to create. He started an apparel company, and he's named it Unitus, U-N-I-T-U-S. I like that. And the basis of it, is freedom, he said. Freedom. We can be proud of what we would leave it, we believe in. We don't have to hide or be ashamed of it. He's speaking to Prager, Prager's University, for a documentary they're preparing called Unwoke Inc. Unwoke Inc. Well, it's been a big day today on TNN Live. And I want to thank you for sharing it with us. 
Thank you, Steve Baker, for being here. Sometimes we talk about things that are really uncomfortable to speak about. But when they're important, they're important. And when it's important, you're going to hear about it here. But always remember this. Just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. Just because you think something's wrong doesn't make it wrong. We give you facts. It's up to you to take the facts, figure them out, and then apply them as appropriately. As I told Steve Baker, ending the day with Michael McDonald, a big hit called Losing End. There aren't enough words to say when all I need is I no longer love you. I'd like to leave it Feel 